I'm Annie Schumann, and this is a special edition of Failing Forward for Adolescents. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts, please tell someone. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255. Failing. 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 When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life, a blessing. Your dream. and then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Hi, this is Annie Schumann, and I'm here with Preston Kahn. And I'm so excited to have you here today. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? Wonderful. Looking forward to this. So tell me where your story starts. How would you like to introduce yourself? Okay, well, my name's Preston Kahn. Uh, I attended school, preschool through my graduating year of uh, high school at Madeira High School. So, you know, did uh, did my entire school career at Madeira. And I think that's kind of where my story starts. I think that that's kind of the basis of what um, inspired me to do my trip. And, you know, probably the reason that you're interested in talking to me today. <laughs> so... I think that uh, that's probably where I, where I would start. I've always suffered from ADHD, but that was something I was diagnosed with my freshman year of high school. Um, and I've never been diagnosed with anxiety. Uh, I've never like taken the steps to, you know, like get the official name put uh-huh. on it, but um, I've dealt with anxiety and depression since about my, freshman year of high school wow and that's kind of the reason that I decided that I was going to raise money for Grantus Hope is because um, I just remember when I was at Madeira you know I I would I would would say I had no shortage of friends but I like dealt with a lot of like inner loneliness that um, you know I just don't think I took the right avenues like took the proper channels to kind of get someone to be aware of my depression and the fact that I was struggling so much tell me a little bit more about your inner loneliness I would just say I mean I'm sure there's so many people who have felt the the same feelings that I've dealt with but it's just like that you know vicious cycle of feeling that uh, you're inadequate or, you know, you're a failure to yourself or you're not living up to way. your parents' expectations. Yeah. I'd say that a lot of kids do. And, you know, what grade are you? I think you said you were a junior, right? Yes. Junior in high school. Yeah. And junior year is really when like the, the pressure starts to mount up on you because, you know, yeah. then you're starting to think of, college and i i was by no means the val victorian of madeira i I was that's impressive no i was not the val victorian i was far from it (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah but uh, but i appreciate you thinking that i was val victorian for a second i will i'll take that as a w um i i think that uh school was always a challenge for me and so people 
you know, people junior year start to realize like, oh, like I'm going to get into a really good college. And I'm sitting there going like, I don't know if I'm going to get into college. And, you know, that starts to become mm-hmm. something that leads you to think that you're, you know, not worth anything or you're not going to amount to anything. Am I going to be a failure? And, you know, those compound with the, you know, natural feelings that I already have, you know, I think there's situational depression and then there's, you know, genetic depression, you know, yeah, the, the, the kind that's woven into your DNA, you know, it could be 75 and sunny and you're thinking to yourself, I'm still so bummed out. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, you got to figure out how to, make people know what you're going through. I feel like in the beginning of high school, it's like I'm trying to get my grades up. I'm just trying to get through high school friend situations. And then junior year hits, and then you feel a sense of adulthood, and you feel like you need to step up your game. And it's very stressful. And some kids, it's very hard on them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think that... Uh, I had the same issue in high school and I dealt with the same issue uh, in college is uh, I, I don't, I don't really apply myself until it has my attention. And so when I was in high school, you know, freshman and sophomore year, I'm bouncing around with uh, not a care in the world and I wasn't doing well academically. And then once you get to junior year, you know, you start to feel like, all right, I've got a good handle on things or I feel like I have have the hang of it at this point. And it just then, hits you. Yeah, exactly. But at that point for me, it was like a little bit, I was in too deep of a hole. So then, it, then you're playing yeah. catch up. And so I think that the big thing, and I, I'm guessing you, you sound much more mature than I was uh, junior year of high school. Uh, I'm guessing you're a good student, right? I I can say I'm okay. I have my struggles too. Uh, yeah, math class. Uh, math class was the the big thing. I I was always horrendous at math, and that was that was another thing. Like they always shoveled down your throat in high school. You know, you need to be good at math. The the future's math, and I'm like, well. Whenever they started throwing the alphabet into math, that's when they lost me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. So what was the turning point in your story? What was the trigger? Um, I would say the turning point for me. Um, so in high school, in high school, I saw a therapist and, you know, my parents finally, it, not finally, but they they were just to the point where, okay, someone other than us, someone, someone professional, uh, should kind of be your outlet. Like they might be able to channel what you're going through and, and kind of give you a, a healthier outlet for it. And, um, so that really started to help me a lot when I was in high school. And the problem with that is once something starts working and you feel like you have a handle on it, and so then I stopped going to see my therapist and that's when like the dark thoughts really got back into my life. 
And the summer going into my senior year, I think, was when I really felt kind of a moment of hopelessness. Yeah. I, I got to the point where I was like, all right, I'm about to graduate college. Uh, I, I've not done well academically. Um, I just I got to this point where I, I just thought, um, all right, I, I don't know if I can keep moving forward. You know, you go yeah. through these thoughts when you kind of reach that darkest moment where, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not delusional. I know that like my parents and family and friends would miss me, but it's just like you get to this point where the pain is so overwhelming like that internal pain that you're just like, I I don't want to keep going. And so um, that's when I attempted to take my own life. And um, I, there's about three days that I don't remember. Um, And fortunately I was, um, I was not successful. And so what happened during the suicide? Like, can you give more detail on that? Yeah. So um, earlier in the summer, I had um, some back issues, and there was just a, a gigantic p- a bottle of pills, and I didn't, I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't gonna cut my wrist or anything, but I I just took about twenty five thirty. Um, back pain pills and uh, drank a bunch of alcohol and you know then that just pretty much wiped my memory for about three days and uh, once I kind of got back to um, like kind of so some coherency and realized like what I'd done you know I just saw the um, confusion on my parents' face and concern. And I think that they just, uh, they didn't know what to do. I'm so sorry to hear about that. I was wondering who found you, if that plays a part. Um, who found me? So I was supposed to go down to, I was supposed to go down to my lake house is about 45 minutes away and um i hadn't answered any of my parents calls and um hadn't gotten um gotten back to them at all and they were expecting me at about noon and finally they had me um finally they had me checked uh, checked on by my brother's uh my brother's friends and they um, saw me just like kind of laying there. I got down to, I didn't go, I didn't go to the hospital cause I don't think they understood like what had happened, but uh, I got to my lake house and um, I just like, I slept for like the next 48 hours. Wow. So yeah, it was, it was definitely one of those moments that um you know I look back on it and I just go like wow like even 
even like me uh, trying to take my own life is impulsive. Like that's uh, very telling. I'm just a very impulsive person. And uh, I think that one of the, one of the things that's important in those moments is to, I, I wish I would have called someone or mm-hmm. reached out to someone because I think that during those moments um, of what I would describe as hysteria, you're sitting there going like not a single person wants to hear me, but if you got any one of your friends on the phone, they would have been over there in a second to to check on me and help me. Um, So I think for me, it was an impulsivity type type of thing. Um, I think that I just got home and I was home alone and I just had this wave of just desperation come over me where I was just thinking to myself. Yeah. Whatever. You understand that? Yeah. Yeah. Teenagers are impulsive. They make these decisions unannounced and it just happens, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. And so I think for me, I was just extremely impulsive and didn't really think about the outcome of it and i mean i'm not really very i'm not religious by any means but i just like um when i kind of came out of it and had this thought i just um kind of came to the um understanding you know whatever purpose i i'm here about i think that you know they're probably you know I I can't even put a number on it of how many people who have been in my exact shoes uh, who you would never imagine. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. if you talk to anyone in high school outside of probably like my um, closest friends, I don't think anyone would have said that that was something that I was dealing with. And so I think that, you know, when I was able to come back from um, what I'd, dealt with and when I like got like a second chance at life I just realized that you know I I'm gonna have no problem talking about it you know it's people have a hard time shutting me up so um, it's easy for me to kind of get out and talk about like that darkest moment. I feel like today one of the biggest problems is that people avoid talking about suicide it's more of something that they don't want to talk about. And then when it happens, people don't know what to do and they don't know how to handle it. Well, I, I, think, that's, I think that's entirely true. I think that um, suicide makes people really uncomfortable because you're going to have to talk about a lot of things that you might not want to confront head on. And um, I mean, people, people care about each other but, you know, at, at our core, it, it's hard to kind of like step outside of our own world. Yeah. You know, and I think that um, kind of creating that dialogue creates a avenue for people to kind of go like, look, like I, I'm struggling and, you know, not all of it makes sense, but I just need to hash it out because one of the things that... um 
my my doctor and I always talked about was he would always and during our sessions go you know talk 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 out loud about your deepest darkest like self-loathing um thoughts and once you say them out loud you you come to the realization of how um how ridiculous they are you know and I think by talking about it is how you're able to um, take away the strength of those inner demons and it's how you're able to kind of um, hit the reset because when you go into these dark moments of um, like utter sadness, <laughs> it's a, it's a way to kind of um, reel things back in. Yeah. If I'm correct, it sounds like your doctor helped you through this. Is there anyone else who, helped you go through the process of getting better? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, my my entire family, um, especially my mom and dad, I think that um, a knee-jerk reaction to what I had done would have been to pull me out of school um, and not let me finish my senior year on time. But I just like... Mm-hmm. I really just told my parents, uh, I, I will figure, I will figure out a way to, um, get better. Just like, don't, don't pull me away from school. And I think that that was a huge thing that helped me get better because I kind of went through the motions and I'm pretty good at internalizing things. And I just got to the, uh, this moment in time where, I just said, like, I have to kind of confront this head on. That's kind of how I was able to um, brainstorm, like, my entire trip and the cause that I was going to do it for. Tell me a little bit about your trip. I'm sure the listeners are going to want to hear about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it was first, I'm just going to start at, like, what made me want to do it. Um, so like Miami is very, very career driven as it should. I mean, it's a, it's an awesome school and people, people leave uh, school to go take really good jobs, like right, right out of college. But I was kind of starting to get to the point where I was thinking like, I just don't know if I'm ready. Like, what if I go into the workforce and something like this happens again? Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I went to a wilderness tripping camp for about 14 years, like my entire childhood up until the last wow. part of high school. Um, so I knew I had like a little bit of, a little bit of like, not even a little bit. I, I had a lot of wilderness experience. And so I started looking into trips and I did my research about the Appalachian trail and I told my parents about it. And I kind of like started talking about it to my friends at school and they're like, Oh yeah, sure. Like you're just going to graduate and go into the woods. Like, all right, Preston's talking out of his butt again. And, um, I think that I told my parents that I came home. Um, I, I came home from school from, or just on Sunday morning and, sat down and told them I'm not going to 
go get a job right after school. Like I know you're kind of banking on uh, that bang for your buck of putting me through school and me going to find a job, yeah. but I'm actually going to go um, live out in the woods for several months. And that's kind of how I brainstormed uh, the whole idea of going to hike the Appalachian Trail. How did they react to that? I think that they reacted as as best as they possibly can. I mean, I I don't think I don't think my parents are surprised by anything I do at this point. I'm I as my dad likes to to call his gray hairs like all of the all of the ways Preston has worried us. <laughs> uh, so I think they I think they're they're extremely supportive of you know whatever um, I have my eyes set on you know if I have a goal they're going to support me no matter what and I think that that was huge for me because um, I was able to go and talk with some guys who had hiked the entire Appalachian Trail you know there's yeah the thing about it is there's a, a lot of people who have hiked the AT but at the same time not a lot of people you know what I mean I know what you mean like they, like they're probably uh a uh, hundred, 150 that like you could probably find Cincinnati alone who have hiked the AT, but I just uh, needed all the help I could get preparing myself and getting ready for my trip. How many people did you go with? Um, so that was the other thing. I, I kind of put some feelers out there when I was at school of seeing if people would be interested in also foregoing, uh, getting a job right after school and going and hiking out in the woods with me for a couple months. But, uh, surprisingly, no one took me up on that offer and, uh, I, I ended up doing it by myself. Oh my gosh. That's really impressive. Yeah. I, I like to think of myself as a, uh, an extroverted introvert. So I think a lot of people were going like, uh, Preston can't ever shut up. How is he going to be out in the woods for all of that time by himself? But I don't know. I just, uh, I also just live by the, the motto of just being in the moment and, um, taking it for what it is. And I think that helped me a lot being out, out there. And there was a lot of time that I was by myself of just like accepting, where you are and not getting too high or low. And I think that was a good, valuable lesson that I need to, to learn. Yeah, sounds, sounds like an amazing experience. After the Appalachian Trail, did that inspire you to raise money for Grantos Hope? What inspired me was um, I knew that I wanted to raise money. I knew that there was going to be you know, not, not in like a cocky way, but I knew there was going to be enough people that are like, Oh, what's pressing up to after school? Like so many people ask, what, what is that person doing after school? And, uh, someone saying like, Oh, he's out in the Appalachian trail hiking. I just knew that that would be something that people would be interested in. And so originally I was going to raise money for the Alzheimer's association, which my family, um, has done a lot of, um, charitable work for um, yeah. my aunts have sat on the board and that's how I lost my grandpa I lost my grandpa to that disease and when I told my mom that I wanted to raise money for that cause she said that's 
that's not your cause though. You know, like do yeah. something that do raise money for the reason you're going out there. And she told me about grant is hope and what they were doing. And I, I like the idea of, you know, if I gave the amount of money to the Alzheimer's association, it would have put, you know, it, it probably wouldn't have made as much of an impact as what it did for grant is hope when they were yeah. getting started. And I, I think that the mission that they're doing is, is awesome. So Grant has hope. What's the system like? So it's in high schools, peer-to-peer. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit of that, about that. Um, so it's peer-to-peer. And the, the thing that I thought was cool was it's this election-type type deal. You You vote for community leaders in the high school to be spokespeople, um, outlets for the people who are struggling, identifiers of the people who are struggling. And I think that that just kind of creates a bridge between the person who is struggling and the faculty or the parents. And I've heard so many amazing stories already about uh, hope squads. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids seeing on Instagram or social media, you know, someone going down this rabbit hole of like uh, the world would be so much better off without me or like, God, I'm just, uh, I want to kill myself. And uh, someone on the hope squad sees that and goes, Oh, that's a red flag. That person might be in a really dark place. Let me make sure that the uh, teacher is aware that their parents are aware. And so you can put out that, that fire before, before it gets out of control. And I think that that's all is needed. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, Madeira, I, I wanted it to be in Madeira first and foremost. So my goal was like 20,000, but I knew that I was going to put it in Madeira. Yeah. Um, has Indian Hill is Indian Hill doing something like that? No, personally, I don't hear a lot about suicide, and I, I wish your program could come to my school and help kids because it's become such a problem recently, and I think it's an amazing program. It it is an amazing program, and uh, definitely definitely reach out to whoever whoever your class yeah. president is or something because they're always looking to expand. Madeira just put in place their their program, which I'm excited about. You know, there there's um my my old neighbor. His name was Alex Sabillo, and he he recently took his own life, and things like things like that sit back it like you have to sit back and just think like i wish that Mm -hmm. there was i wish it was in place sooner you know it the the stat that i always think about that just amazes me is that suicide is getting into is creeping into the top 10 if not uh, already in the top 10 leading Mm -hmm. ways that people die in this country and the other the others are heart disease and lung cancer and car accidents and stuff like that. Like suicide is something that is extremely preventable and all that is needed to at least drastically reduce that number of of people who are dying due to themselves yeah. is just having a outlet to talk about your 
darkness and what like you're why you're struggling and i think that that that's going to dramatically decrease the amount of people who are dying at the hands of themselves because i mean it's it's sad and it's it's avoidable and that was that was the whole mission of what i was trying to accomplish yeah i heard about the alex situation and I know that it didn't just put Madeira, like, in shock, but it also did to the districts around them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, I had um, a friend when I was in high school who went to Indian Hill who, uh, you know, we were not super close, but when he passed away, that really just sent me into – um, you know, kind of this pit of, you know, I wish that there was, uh, a, something more that I could have, could have done or that, you know, could have helped him. And so, yeah, I don't think that it just impacts Madeira or if it were to happen in Indian Hill, that it just impacts Indian Hill. I mean, like Cincinnati, uh, if you, if you leave Cincinnati or it's stay in Cincinnati, it, you realize just how tight knit of a community yeah. it is. You know, the first thing, the first thing someone asks someone from Cincinnati is, Oh, what high school did you go to? And immediately following that you go, Oh, do you know this person? And, uh, nine times out of 10, you know, the, the person that they're talking about. So it's, a, it's a tight knit community. You can't really take the Cincinnati out of someone. It's always yeah, going to be exactly. there. Yeah, it doesn't just affect one small pocket. Yeah. Are there any final lessons for the listeners that you would like to share? Yeah, I think that um, if, my, if my message is one thing, it's to... Um, not t- not take everything as is. You know, you might see someone who is, uh, you know, looking like they're living it up, but they they could be going through a extremely dark time. You know, think about Robin Williams. Robin Williams was literally a comedian. Like his job was to make people laugh, and so people think about that and they're like, oh if he made people laugh or if he had this like super vibrant personality, then like, how could he be depressed? But I just think that if there's one thing to take away is that you're, you can never be too sure of what is going on in someone's life. And really just asking someone how they're doing is going to go so far. You, you, you'll never understand what that might do to a person like that could be the that interaction that they look back on and go like people do care about me you know never never stop making sure that the people around you know how much you care about them and i think that that's that's the most important thing to take away thank you preston i'm so inspired and the listeners will be too by your story Thank you for coming and talking to us. Absolutely. I I appreciate you letting me come on and uh, I can't wait to hear how it turns out. And I am sure the rest of the series is just going to keep getting better and better because 
you're amazing at what you do. So keep it up. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. 